Hello guys, welcome back to All in Tech. I hope you guys are doing great. Today we do have the Google Pixel Series 8 that has just been announced at slash released. Um, this is obviously one of the phones that I've criticized for pretty much as long as we've had this podcast. Um, I was never a fan of Pixels. Like since the very beginning, I hated how they looked. They just looked really cheap, very clunky, just horribly designed, despite, you know, a giant company of research behind, uh, they weren't able to find a good design. Uh, it looks like finally Google has settled into their design philosophy, starting all the way back from, I believe, the Google Pixel 6, all the way up until now with the Pixel 7 or 8, <laughs> I'm a little bit behind, 8 and 8 Plus, I think it's what it's called. Uh, personally, I was, or Pro, and I personally never really liked these phones, to be completely honest. But last year, they really caught my attention. I'm just like, okay, I can kind of see uh, where this phone is heading and what it could be. And I feel like if it just nailed the right things down, it would be a fantastic phone. And now with the Google Pixel 8 Pro, I think that I'm, I might be considering picking one up because I am so curious about what it has to offer as a phone. And I, I'm very, very tempted to buy one, but I don't know if I'm going to buy this one or next year. We'll have to see um just how good this phone is but let's let's talk about it all right so let's talk about this pixel 8 we're starting off with the base model so it's officially practically out for release and i, I i'm telling you like for some reason this year this phone has been somewhat attractive. Uh, I don't know why, but we're going to figure it out. Anyway, let's talk about the body. This thing weighs 187 grams, which is, I would say, light. Not like super light, but light. Uh, definitely not brick uh, weight like the iPhones of prior with the stainless steel. But it is uh, somewhat light here. Now, we do have glass on the front with Gorilla Glass Victus. And glass on the back, which is also Victus. And aluminum framing, which is pretty much expected by this point. With the price being what it is. Um, we also have IP68 water and dust resistance. Up to 1.5 meters for 30 minutes. Uh, so everything right here is pretty much usual, standard things that we would expect from a near flagship, flagship phone. Um, that's kind of like the range that we're working with. For the display, we have a 6.2 inch OLED display, 120 hertz refresh rate, and HDR10+, 1400 nits of brightness, and 2000 nits of peak brightness, which is pretty much matching the iPhones of recent. Um, this one so far matches the iphone for the brightest screen on any smartphone 
Uh, but wait for it. Uh, we're going to talk about the Pixel 8 Pro. That one is kind of insane. Now, this does have a resolution of 1080p by 2400 and an aspect ratio of 20 by 9. This does have Android 14 with the Google Tensor G3 chip, so it's going to be a very fast, very efficient processor, as we've seen from Google in, I would say, just last year, because they were figuring out the troubles with the first one. Uh, we do have the Immortalis, uh, I don't know if I pronounced that right, GPU, and so, again, a flagship-worthy GPU, but I wouldn't say that it's the highest end that we've seen. Now, for internal storage configurations, we have 128 gigabytes of internal storage with 8 gigs of RAM, or 256 gigabytes with 8 gigs of RAM. No expandable memory, so you only have those two options, and it is running UFS 3.1 storage. And moving on to the main camera, which I think is often the talk of these Pixel phones, given that their legendary status of taking pictures back in the day uh, with the Pixel 4, 5a, all those uh, mid-range phones and also the higher-end phones, obviously, at the time, were really well-known for their photography because of the computational photography that went behind it. And um, that's kind of what made them or what was one of their standard features and made them stand out as something worthy of being looked at, really, aside from just the name of Google. And so the cameras have gotten sideways and and also improved, in a sense. It's a really strange development that they've had ever since the head of Google's computational photography team left Google. Uh, so it's been kind of strange ever since then. Uh, but... Overall, I'd say that their photography is still on point to the point where they've added so many features in the in the photo camera app. But let's talk about the main cameras right now. We have a 50 megapixel primary sensor with multi-directional autofocus and laser autofocus, optical image stabilization, and 12 megapixel ultrawide lens. And that's about it. So we don't have no telephoto lens. Unfortunately, that is reserved for the Pro. That seems like a very Apple sort of thing to do. Um, but I guess it is what it is. Moving on, we have 4K recording at 24, 30, and 60 frames per second. 1080p at 30, 60, and 120 for those slow-mo shots. Um, we also have electronic image stabilization along with optical image image stabilization. Uh, so you have the both physical and digital forms of fixing and controlling the, the stability of the phone's videos and pictures. Moving on to the selfie camera, we have a 10 and a half megapixel sensor, which I don't I, I will never understand. Let me just put this in there. I will never understand why companies feel the need to just put like a 0.5 after it, you know, like either make it an even number or round down, but don't keep it in the middle. It's just strange. Uh, it can record 4K 24 frames per second, 30 or 60, 1080p at 30 and 60. So pretty solid cameras all the way around. And it will, if I'm not wrong, get pretty much all of the 
normal features that we've been seeing, mainly from reviews that we've seen on the Pro. Uh, so it should get a lot of those photography tips that it is famous for right now at the moment. Um, yeah, so the the post-production of these photos has gone pretty insane. So we've already known that they can take great pictures, that they've been even almost preferred over the iPhone's photos, which for the longest time was the king of of photos. And then the Pixel came in and that kind of like really saved Android in a sense because, well, according to many critics, the, the software on Samsung's photos wasn't great. And they were always criticized for oversaturation, which personally I really liked. I didn't really mind it all that much, although back in the days of the S8, the S9, um, yeah, they definitely way, way oversaturated every photo. Like, I remember I took a, fo a photo on a phone, a mid-range phone that came out from Samsung in 2016, and I took a photo outside in the garden, and the green was just completely different. I took a picture of a plant, and it was an entirely different shade of green on the phone. I'm just like, it is not that green in person. Like, no accuracy whatsoever. But it does, if you had no context, like if you had absolutely no context, you would probably still see that it's a bit oversaturated, a bit overcolored. But even then, it makes it pleasing to the eye, which if you post on social media, uh, you'll be surprised at the number of times that people will choose the oversaturated photo instead of the natural nice normal looking photo that comes out of the pixels or the iphones and it's normally the samsung photos that look better to the general public which is kind of interesting but from a photographer's point of view it seems to always be between the iphone and the pixel now they've done a lot of things in post-production like they took their computational photography to a whole nother level to the point where they're doing it they're offering features to normal consumers that, you know, I would assume not know that much about photography, that much about video editing, photography, uh, photo editing, and all that kind of post-production magic that normally is reserved for the professionals. And so now they've brought all that software to the point where you can move objects inside of photos and move them to where they would never have been. And I think that's just kind of crazy. I'm a little bit scared because this kind of technology, I mean, obviously this is so cool. Like from a tech point of view, this is awesome. The fact that you can move elements around in a photo in a way that they never were in real life. That's really sick. Like that's honestly really cool. But in the long run, this kind of technology is just developing even better and better and better every year that we innovate tech, right? And so we've already seen what AI does, something that Google has actually promoted on their phones, um, like one little feature that they have, which is AI-generated wallpapers. I don't think that they're like necessarily like the best, and obviously they're, they're not, but they are pretty decent, and they've used a lot of AI in their software aside from that. And I think every company really does at this point, but Google's out there just like shouting from the 
you know, top of the hill that they have AI. We've already seen with AI the kinds of problems that it could cause. Obviously, there's always this very interesting signature of AI, which I find kind of fascinating that you can always find this signature, this like stamp that AI has on its work, everything from writing to photos to um, really, really anything. Um, you can find this stamp. It's very unique and you can tell that it's AI. But for those who are not so keen and not so sharp-eyed, uh, they might think that a lot of this stuff is real. You know, I've already seen videos of Donald Trump and Biden arguing over some kind of video game as if they were playing the video game. And the audio sounds so real. <laughs> but obviously that didn't happen. But what's to stop people from using it in such a negative light, right? Um, so this kind of computational photography where or Photoshop editing kind of software is awesome, right? It is so cool. You don't have to go into a very heavy uh, post-production app on your computer and wait for it to load and upload the photo and all that kind of nonsense that takes forever. They gave a very simplified version of that into these phones to the average person. So the average person can literally move you out of the photo <laughs> um, without loading some kind of software, without knowing any kind of really any background of, of Photoshop or any kind of photo editing in general, which I think is cool. But again, just a small little warning, I would suppose, or I don't know, but I just don't get the right feeling about these kinds of things. It could just be used for all the wrong reasons and AI has already been twisted. So I would say who's to stop this kind of technology from spreading if not that it's already been out there. And so negative light, obviously this tech is not cool for that. Uh, but if we use it for the right things, just normal adjustments, I think that's a really neat idea. But you know, this world has a way of <laughs> twisting things that shouldn't have been twisted. Anyway, moving on, we have stereo speakers at the bottom, as you would expect from a near flagship phone. No headphone jack, as apparently is dying out completely. Moving on, we have Wi-Fi 6E support, Bluetooth 5.3, GPS, NFC, and USB Type-C 3.2. As for the biometrics, I think that this is a really nice improvement. So we have our normal fingerprint sensor that's underneath the display that we've seen for a couple years now. Uh, and we've had a couple complaints over the past two generations of fingerprint sensors on the pixels. They haven't been working as fast as Samsung's, as as flawlessly as Samsung's almost. Um, it's definitely a very dramatic jump. But now we also get face unlock, which has obviously been on uh, previous pixels. I believe it wasn't on the 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 most recent pixel on the seven. I remember it because one of the reviews said that they tried to have face unlock, but they didn't have face unlock. And we all remember the Pixel 4, I believe it was. The one with the forehead notch, sort of fat, thick forehead that it had that made it the joke of that year. Um, it was a pretty great phone. Like software-wise, it ran very smooth. I got to try one of those and they ran so buttery smooth and I loved it but I hated how it looked. That 
that whole top bar, like forehead, unibrow looking thing was not it, but it worked wonders for that face unlock. And it was the most secure at the time, or at least uh, right up there with Apple. But then they got rid of that. So we went back to normal face ID, which was, or face unlock, which was not secure by any stretch of the imagination. But now Google has upgraded via software. So instead of having all that hardware, they're using software and um, they are apparently, they apparently upgraded it to the point where you can use it for banks, you know, bank sign-ins. So the same thing that you would have with face ID that you could use it to sign into certain apps that would require your password, right? And if you want your biometric, just like the fingerprint sensor, you don't, you're not tied down to the fingerprint sensor. Uh, you also have your face unlock, which they've made safer. And I think that is really cool. Um, I wish Samsung had something like that. So I will wait for Samsung to do something about that if they care about that, because they, they've really mastered the fingerprint sensor. And I really like that one a little bit better. But I also really like the convenience of Face ID. I mean, uh, both are really good for me. Um, anyway, moving on, we also have battery size, which is 45, 75 milliamp hour battery, which is about, I would say pretty average nowadays. It's like not small, but it's average. You know, we've kind of settled into this, uh, kind of, how do you say it? We've conformed to this kind of battery sizes. Now we just rely on software optimizations to really extend that battery as we've seen with Apple that, I mean, that it's insane what they're doing with their batteries. Um, full review, just a little quick little plug. Uh, the full review of this phone is going to be in quite a while because right now we're in the middle of editing a real day in the life and we just recorded an accessories video. So those two are coming out, but I'm pretty sure the accessories video is going to come out way before that re uh, real day in the life, because that one, that video is honestly killing me. Um, so much editing going into that one. I really hope that it's as good as I plan it to be. Um, but anyway, that video I hope would come out by the end of this month. <laughs> Uh, we also have the real or the full review coming out as well. I want to take a little bit more time just to really settle into the phone because it's already almost been a month. So I might have to start filming that, but I don't know when it's going to come out because I want to get the real day in the life video out first. So yeah, so stay tuned. Go check out my channel, Axtech underscore AKR. If you haven't done so already on YouTube, go subscribe. We're almost at a thousand subscribers, which look. It is so small number, but it is a big number for me, so I would really appreciate it. Anyway, let's get back to this. We have 27 watts of PD 3.0 charging, and we should get 50% in 30 minutes as advertised by Google. We also have 18 watts of wireless charging, which I think is the fastest we've had on a non-Asian phone because we have had uh, Chinese phones that... I've had insanity of wireless charging. I think like one had like 50 or 60 watt fast charging wirelessly, uh, some crazy number like that. 
so this is the fastest we've had in terms of the more popular options like Samsung, Google, Apple. This is the fastest wireless charging that I think I've seen. And we also have reverse wireless charging, which they haven't mentioned how fast it is, at least not on here, but it should be around five watts or 4.5 like what Samsung does. Moving on, we do have three colors, obsidian, hazel, rose, and we are also starting at a price point of $700. And I think for all that money, you do get a pretty solid flagship phone, but you know, like we've talked about in previous episodes, you can get older flagships, like a year or two older flagships that still run really well. I wouldn't recommend a Pixel though, because the past two years were kind of iffy, but for Samsung and, and iOS devices like iPhone 14, 13s, those things still run so well. The, the S21, the S22s from Samsung, those things run incredibly well as the, you know, just the same. Pixels, you know, they work. They're, they're definitely very good phones. But considering that they're still in their growing period, I would say that it's only up until now that I really feel like they're maturing into their design, into who they are as a as a phone, you know? Like, they finally grew a personality. And now we're trying to... We're, we're finally seeing that. Something that Samsung and Apple have already had for years. So, personally... If you want to go for an older flagship, I'd say Samsung or iOS, depending on who you are, Team Android, Team iOS. But for $700, I think if you want the newest Pixel 8, I definitely think it is worth picking up. It's a very solid phone. And I'm sure that there will be some issues as per Google's trend in recent years, you know, some kind of issues at launch. Um, I'm sure there will be some. I don't know which ones, but we'll see. Anyway. That was it for this episode. I'm probably going to um, talk about the Pixel 8 Pro in a separate episode because, honestly, this episode has already taken a little bit too long. But it is what it is. I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.